2: Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host tonight, Gary Cocker, and I am joined tonight by two of my bros. In the green corner, I have Hibby Duncan Mackay. Hello. And in my fellow dark blue corner, I have uh, Housewife's favourite, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. Uh, Unfortunately, Craig Telfer cannot join us for this lower league uh, situation. He was detained in the US Capitol yesterday but we will move on regardless uh, without him. So I think It's going to be amazing for, yeah. that because he
1: doesn't listen to the podcast uh, really that that closely. In about two weeks' time, there'll just be a, a thing in the group chat saying, Gary!
2: Well, I, I mean, it depends on when he's actually released by the authorities as oh, well. Yeah, People that, might think oh, i oh, yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah but definitely.
1: The, the, this, this thing we're keeping up with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: It's a really serious issue, but even more serious than that is all of the lower league football, which we have to dissect. So we are going to take our usual journey through the lower leagues, um, stopping off at various exotic locations. And the first one we're going to stop off at is Duncan's, could I call it your ancestral home? Duncan, your ancestral pile? Uh, Where am I? Yeah, grandparents lived. Yeah, why not? It's good enough for me. We're stalking off on Elgin, um, where uh, Elgin seemed to be on a little bit of a renaissance. It seemed to be one of the form teams in League 2, and Sean and I are very curious as to how this has happened and whether or not it can be sustained. uh, So curious.
0: So curious that I've watched highlights and everything.
2: There you go. That's that's the level of research that we put in for you, the dear listener. Um, right, I Duncan, think
0: we—they uh, are Sean
1: puts in
2: Gary. Push, that uh. Sean puts in for the listener. I'm I'm just the face or voice of this operation. But never mind about me. Let's hear from you, Duncan. So uh, Elgin currently sitting just behind Queens Park in the league. Do you think that this is the start of something beautiful for the black and white?
1: A. Uh. Potentially, I think And that's probably the first time That people uh, that follow Elgin Have been able to say that for a while Um, Usually Elgin's uh, Last three, four or five seasons Has kind of um, gone into a familiar pattern Whereas they get to the summer And lose a Lose a handful of players, uh, and then uh, slowly build the squad back up in size uh, o- over the over the summer, usually the late summer, as they have to kind of, as we've mentioned previously on the podcast, um, kind of deal with the the. The players at uh that probably didn't get the first choice club or what have you just choose to the geographic location or kind of waiting to see what Ross County and Inverness do with some of their players and who's going on loan and what business they they they, they do so there's kind of a bit of a reaction to that, so that usually means that Elgin are generally quite slow starters in the league uh take some time to bed in uh, and then they hit one or two purple patches during the season and then ultimately are just about three points or so away from the playoffs. Uh that's that's, that's how an average uh, Elgin City season probably over the last uh, five to six years uh have been. Uh it's been a bit, obviously a it's very different uh, this season they didn't they didn't have the same uh, turnover of players uh during uh this the summer. Um, they did lose a biggie th- though. There, they did lose a big uh, They did lose a huge one in Shane Island Who I dreamt last night was uh, playing for Santos uh, In the Copa <laughs> Liberadores As opposed to uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle Where he actually is um, And uh, And we also lost uh, Rab Nomar as well uh, Who surprisingly went up two levels Which I think uh, was a surprise to anyone Who'd uh, watched the automatic yellow Card uh, machine uh, In League 2 um, But he's he seems to be doing okay. Um,
0: um, Omar, no, Omar Omar was good, but as you say, he was a. I mean, he, he accumulated yellow cards and red cards with with an alarming regularity. But on his day, I mean, he was he was a talent in League Two. Whether he was whether he can replicate that enough at Championship level, I, I have my doubts. But in terms of in terms of a, a, a loss to Elgin, he would you would have thought would have been a significant one going into the season.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's it's quite an odd one i think that and that's <laughs> that was the strange thing about ralph Nomar that despite not being a particularly dirty player <laughs> uh was still uh capable of picking up so many uh reds and yells and in and, and shane Sutherland, i think that, w- that there was a i had big worries uh with uh with, with the just inability there would be no way to uh replace shane sulland frankly because he's been fairly talismanic for for elgin uh during his several periods at the club uh, when he decides he doesn't really like it in Peterhead uh, every so often <laughs> um and and so we, we assume that he'll be back at Elgin at some point uh, soon just when he when, when it doesn't really work with with Inverness Cali uh, either um but i what's, what's what's proven to be happening and it has been the case for a couple of a couple of years now is that Elgin have kind of over relied on a, a talismanic striker. Um, previously, before Shane Sutherland, it was Craig Gunn uh, and kind of st- toiled if they weren't playing well. Um, and so...
0: They've kind but, of now, to... but in fairness, they now have another one.
1: Yeah, well, they've had to they has... have to re- reinvent themselves, and and so uh, the leading striker this season has been Kane Hester, which was not necessarily something you'd have thought last season uh, after he would signed for the club, and
0: uh, and after, you thought he what, was going to jail
1: yes and thought you could which seems still um up in the air i'm not i'm not entirely convinced it seems to be the the the, Sc- the scottish justice system moves at glacial pace uh,
0: that would be uh, that that would be uh that would be your most unique way of of not qualifying for the playoffs that your star striker goes to jail
1: yes well it, w- it would be probably befitting a club like elgin where uh yeah, where everything just seems to fall out uh, out of line as opposed to in line uh, fortuitously. So yeah, the, the, I mean, from uh, last season to, to this the season they've have had a fairly um, settled side, um, and they've kind of beefed it up even with the, uh, managing to sign a second Dingwall uh, in terms of uh, getting Tony Dingwall to sign recently. And so I El- I, El- I
0: I miss his I miss the fact that he runs like a chicken. <laughs> but i uh, i mean i mean genuinely if you've never seen if you've never seen Tony Dingwall run then then check him out I've, I've never seen anything like it he he his dna must be at least 17% chicken to move in that fashion <laughs> i i don't necessarily miss his footballing performances but as a as a human i do miss him. human slash chicken
2: and we've also seen a little bit of forward planning by Elgin as well cuz i see that uh, both Russell Dingwall and Aiden Sobel have signed two-year contract extensions over the the Christmas and New Year periods. Um, is there anyone else in the squad that you'd like to see get uh, get tied down? Um, obviously, you would rather that Kane Hester was not tied down uh, within a, a correctional facility. But other than that, uh, is there anyone that you think is going to be key uh, to to Elgin's promotion push?
1: Yeah, I mean Elgin have tended when where possible, and I think that's been. Uh... Quite difficult for the club where possible. They have tried to to get players on longer term deals, um, because because of the geography uh, geography of of the club and things like that. So Thomas McHale's signed an extension as well, and that's such a a big difference for Elgin to have. A functioning goalkeeper with hands and stuff like that. Um, the, the the litany of bad goalkeepers that have played uh, at Elgin City is uh, quite remarkable, actually, given that they uh, this is only their their twentieth or twenty first season in the uh, in the Scottish football league. Uh, so McHale uh, doesn't tend to make any huge blunders like sometimes he can sometimes he can look absolutely superb sometimes he can look slightly unconvincing but you as unconvincing as a, a six out of ten performance Um whereas largely uh, Elgin City goalkeepers have been round about the 4.5 uh, <laughs> average performance did, and, and you
0: know D- Duncan just to of just out of interest did you blame him for the the, the goal conceded against Albion Rovers so good because I hadn't realized just how close you would have been to Queen's Park if you'd managed to to beat Albion Rovers. I mean, that's that's probably one, one of the few results this season that's that's been a bit of a stinker for Elgin. Yeah. So it, it was quite difficult watching the highlights of, of Albion Rovers because the second goal, the Albion Rovers second goal, Matthew Aiken, the camera didn't keep up with it. But the first goal, being mind, mean, the Elgin, were already one up. And it was... I mean, I, I think McHale was lining his wall up and wasn't really paying attention to what... It might have been Matthew Aitken. It was taking the free kick as well, and and Aitken just actually put it into the side of the goal that he that he wasn't at. That looked like a bit of a blunder.
1: Yeah, but I, I think that that's one uh, the season as opposed to one every week, which is usually what Elgin uh, have. That's a know, big improvement. And, yeah, it's a it's a huge improvement, and 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 what what Gavin Price has done, um, you, you know, is is built on. Uh, kind of the strong foundations that Brian, Brian Cameron, you I've know, uh, waxed lyrical about for years, and so he's now not as influential because he's got other people playing alongside him that can do a lot of the work as well. Um whether whether it's the the Dingwalls or Conor O'Keefe, um, you know, uh, and I and I think that that makes a that makes a huge difference. And then for for once, Elgin haven't yet touched wood, been hit by injuries too much. They they tend to be a, a team that doesn't carry. A big squad, um, but even even now, uh, if you look on the bench, you know the the, the game game against Stenhousemuir the, the other week, you know, you've got uh, Tony Dingwall, you've got Daryl McCardy, and you've got Smart uh, Smarticus as well. Um, you know, those are those are good options to have uh, along with Joel Joel McBeath and, and Aidan Sopel. So they they've they finally got a a squad actually that's, that that's all it that needs to be said they finally got a squad whereas one once upon a time it was kind of a a, a pretty good starting 11 but it, the the quality the gap between the starting 11 and the subs w- was 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 massive
0: see see in terms of so, so you're talking about making a difference how much has actually having a home crowd made a difference do you think because elgin has got a, a pretty decent home record this season I think they had three games in our three home games in a row, but they were allowed three hundred spectators. Uh I mean I know I know in in, in the the kinda of higher up leagues, having three hundred of a of a crowd might kinda of still feels like a, a, a token gesture. But in league two, albeit Elgin normally have a, a pretty decent attendance for for that level, like like do you think actually having three hundred supporters in the stadium makes a difference? I mean, the players have
1: said it does in, uh, to the Northern Scotland and the Press and Journal and, and things like that. But again, you don't know how much that is just um, footballers saying stuff because they feel that they should say it. Um, but so but it's, it's, it even
0: even things like, uh, so, so let's say, for example, that, I don't know, Elgin got a corner. And you know what it's like as a fan when your team gets a corner. Suddenly you've got like the crowd are suddenly getting, come on. Like you kind of feel it must make a difference.
1: I, I mean I think the results so far would suggest suggest that it is making a difference but you know, they, they didn't start terribly either so it's it's mm-hmm. kind of maybe it's just a, another fill up for them uh, to have just an, a, another advantage uh, you know, again is that is that thing you uh, you don't know how other teams are traveling up. Like you know, I know that some you know some clubs are having to do two or three different um, coaches up, up or, or players having to drive themselves and things like that. You know, Elgin's a, a a fair distance. You know, if players are having to drive themselves, away away players are having to drive themselves, and that that's a a bit of a pain in the arse quite frankly. And they might be quite tired by the time time they get there as well. So that's another factor that uh, the the club is probably trying to use to their advantage.
2: Is there anything else we want to cover from League Two? Because obviously there is a there's a wee bit of bunching up at the top. Um, but before we go into League One, um, Sean in particular, but well, I'm not looking at you. I'm, I'm speaking at you here. Um, but is is there any other team that you very quickly want to alight upon um, before we head to the uh, the darkness of? Uh, I,
1: before Sean says, I think that, that um, obviously the difficulty in League Two this season is that everyone is assuming that Queens Park are are going up. Um, and and you know, already with a, a five point gap, um, and and unbeaten in the league, um, and a shortened season, you would think that's likely. So then again, it you've got then three four club. You've got probably you could make the argument for five clubs fighting for those three playoff places, which um, yeah makes it quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean. At the... The only thing I was going to say was, that it's, it's almost, I think if I was a fan of a League Two club, especially one that was pushing for the playoffs, it would almost feel like a bit of a disappointment. Well, it would feel like a, dis- a, a disappointment that, that that Queen's Park are having the season that, that, that they are, because ultimately it means... No matter how good you are, whether you're still an Albion who are having a good season, Stranraer who are having a very good season, Elgin who are having a very good season, it almost feels like there's a there's a there's a bit of seal as to what they can achieve this season, and that that seal is is very much going to be the playoffs. So unless Queens Park have a, have a better stumble, which which they might do, you haven't seen too much to, to suggest that that might be the the case. So then, as much as those uh, those teams are doing well, that the playoffs is is probably about as high as, as they can aim for. Edinburgh City just decided the playoffs, I, I I think they might still come good yet, even though there's maybe five points between them and, and, and fourth place behind that Steny. No, I, I can't imagine Steny will be able to, to do much further than that. They, they, they look like they have some some decent strikers and, and, and that's about it and not enough to go any further than that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the promotion, in terms of promotion places, it looks like uh, three from four with, with, with Queen's Park being, as you would expect, Uh, way out in front.
2: Well, Sean, you you mentioned stumbles earlier, so I'm going to come to you for our next segment, which is on League One, and I imagine that you're going to be quite happy to speak about the stumbling being done by Falkirk Football Club. Um, I note that they've only scored one in their last three games. They've only picked up one point from their last three games. What was previously looking maybe a little bit like we spoke about with Queen's Park as a... as a bit of a gap opening up between them and a couple of other teams who are having a, a bit of a stormer has closed in recent weeks. Um How much fun have you found that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, aye, aye, it's been fine. Uh, do you know I I don't know what to make of Falkirk. So at, at the start of the season, I remember myself and Telford discussing them, and I thought their I thought the squad had went backwards. He thought that they had. He thought that they'd signed reasonably intelligently, and that they'd. They'd got players from the lower leagues that were reasonably young, uh, kind of hungry to make their mark, rather than signing players that had kind of dropped through the leagues and had now kind of come down a level. They'd sign players that were looking to move up a level. Uh, at the time, I, I thought he made a valid point. I thought, well, well you know someone maybe you're right. I, I'd, uh, I'd, I'm I, not sure that is the case. Uh, I'd, you, you look at that squad last season, which was okay for for League One level, but even that being the case, it was still a squad that was dragged, kicking and screaming by Dylan McManus. I mean, I I think he had 24 goals or or something last season in in all competitions. He was, uh, by some margin, their their best player. And if they didn't have Dylan McManus last season, they would have been nowhere near Ray Rovers. So they lost him.
2: Yeah, sorry. Sorry, the, the thing that strikes me about Falkirk is just how many... Uh, former Hearts players that have in their squad, so obviously everyone knows about Connor Salmon. Um, but you've also got Callum Morrison uh, with the additional end there. Uh, Aidan Keena has moved to uh, has moved to Falkirk as well. I mean, uh, the player that I look at that I've never been convinced by is Josh Todd. Obviously, he didn't have a great time at Dundee. I mean, has he done much uh, in the in the next rung down no, of the ladder, no, it, or has he no, been it, someone else's flatter to deceive?
0: He's contributed very little, and I think uh, there's a few things you can level at the management team. Uh, so the I don't think their signings in the summer were particularly good. I, I think the squad, I think the squad's actually regressed quite a bit. So is uh, is Scott Mercer at right back better than Mikey Doyle? Probably not. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't think Mikey Doyle's a world beater, but I don't think Scott Mercer is an upgrade. Uh, he, he's probably slightly inferior, uh, is, is Ben Hall better than Mark Durnan? I mean, Mark Donnan got a hard time last season, rightly so. I can understand why. Uh, but, uh, sorry, uh, Gregor Buchanan. Uh, Gregor Buchanan got, got a hard time last season. But is Ben Hall any better? Uh, probably isn't. Uh, somebody like Anton Dowds, who's now playing up front with Connor Salmon, is he an upgrade on, on Delta McManus? Of course he isn't. But it was still felt at the time. Anton Dow just had a decent season, decent couple of seasons at East Fife. Maybe he's, he's now deserving a, a, a shot of, of, of full-time football. It hasn't really worked out at all. Blair Alston was another one. Uh, again, he hasn't really done particularly much this season. And I think the biggest worry is, uh, we've, we've spoken about Callum Morrison a, a couple of times on this show, and he started the season like a, like a house on fire. Why a house on fire is a good thing, I don't know, but that is a turn of phrase. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a terrible thing. I'd, I'd hate my house to be on fire. But and, and now it now feels like the teams are, are kind of wise to that. And that doesn't seem, you know, Lee Miller and David McCracken don't seem to have a plan B. So when Callum, Callum Morrison has been crowded out, what do they do? And they, they don't seem to have figured out uh, an alternative to that. And it was quite interesting. Somebody had mentioned how many times Falkirk have come back from behind uh, and under their stewardship. And it's something like three times. So only three times have they went a goal behind and then managed to to get anything out of the game. And uh, I mean, there, there probably is a reason that, that football teams generally don't have two managers. And <laughs> and and again, maybe you're seeing this season for Folket. Why that is, I, I don't think they've beaten a full time team since since 2019. So so presumably Folket fans are are probably relieved that, that they didn't get promoted to a championship. They would have been they would have been embarrassed and humbled, but. What, like, and Again, it's a strange situation in that they're top of the league. Uh, yes, they haven't done particularly well in the last three games, especially at the weekend. That that defeat against East Fife was... I mean, they were stinking. It, it was 2-1. East Fife probably could have had three or four. The, the defending was terrible. They, they they did have a chance at the end right enough to make it 2-2, but, but going forward, they, they didn't show enough. Again, they're still in a situation where Lee Miller is coming off the bench and Still, arguably, looks like their they're their best forward. Certainly, in terms of holding the ball up and 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 getting others involved, is is their best option. But judging by the fact that Lee Miller really picks himself, he he doesn't want to be doing that anymore. So, but it still feels harsh to be criticising a team that's that's top of the league. They, they've got a they've got a big league game coming up. So uh, they play or their schedule to play a at the weekend, whether that game's on or not. Uh, con- considering the conditions, I'm not sure. Montrose is a big game. And I think what Falkirk have going for them uh, is the fact that, well, two things, I suppose. I mean, as as much as the fans aren't particularly happy, I, I checked back, and after eleven games last season, Raith Rovers were on the same amount of points as Falkirk are now, and and Raith still managed to, to to see out the league, whether they deserved it or not, it's another matter. And I'm I'm sure Falkirk fans may disagree, but they're not in too bad a a position, points wise, as albeit due to recency bias, fans aren't happy at the last three per- performances and, and, and rightly so. Mm. Uh, s- sorry, yeah?
2: I was just going to, I was actually going to uh, try to subtly move on to uh, another team in League One, but if, if there was something else you wanted to say about Falkirk, who am I to stop you, Sean? I, I,
0: would, I was just going to say that they've got a massive game against Montrose coming up after the after the Cup game against broth. If they if, if they get a poor result from that, then I, I do think the pressure will, will move on to, to Miller and, and, and McCracken. However, the fixtures after that are, are, are quite favourable and it's... Focus biggest issue is the, has always been playing against the, the the better teams in League One. So the record against Wraith, Airdrie, uh, Montrose, East Fife last season was was pretty poor. Uh, they also lost three times to Clyde, I think. Uh, and, and this season it, it doesn't seem to have gotten any better, but they do generally Take care of the, the the chaff, and I I do think they'll have enough to, to to get by because I think the rest of the league is is much of a muchness. You know, Cove, Cove are doing well. Did, did I think they'll have enough? No, Partick are doing poorly. Montrose have picked up. I, I still don't think they'll challenge. Uh, I, I I think Falkirk will just have enough to get by. But it, it's I, I suppose it's similar to when Rafe had Barry Smith in charge. So yeah, Barry Smith almost got Wraith promoted. But did Ray fans think he would have been good enough for the championship? No, and and Falkirk might have a similar situation if if they are to win the league this season. Do you think
1: well, on that? Do you think they're they're just going to be lucky by the by virtue of the fact that actually below them there is a, a number of teams that are you know basically off the same standard and potentially are just going to kind of cut each other's throats to and and have an inability to to mount a sustained challenge on Falkirk. Uh.
0: Would, would they be lucky? the the only the only way they'd be lucky is that uh that is that the other full time team in this league, Partick Thistle, are doing particularly poorly. So you know, your Partick have a number of issues, especially up front, where you expected uh, of their forwards. You know, they've signed Blair Lyons, who we've raved about in this show. They've got Brian Graham. They have Zach Rudden. You think, right? Surely, out of that trio, Partick Thistle have got goals about them in League One and it, it turns out they don't uh, so, so the, they've been let out of jail free I think in terms of how poor Partick Thistle are and, uh, they're still going to finish or they still should finish above the full, uh, the part-time teams and if they don't manage that then then yeah Milan McCracken probably don't deserve to be in that position so are they lucky only in that Partick Thistle don't look like they're in a position to take advantage of Falkirk's reasonably poor form One other team in League One that we wanted
2: to to discuss, I say discuss, let you tell us about, Sean, is uh, Falkirk's Vanquishers at the weekend, which was uh, an East Fife side who I think a few weeks ago you might have looked at and seen them as being a little bit cut off, um, mainly by virtue of the fact that games against Barton and Clyde have been called off, but would you say, and you can tell the sort of reticence in my voice to say this, could they be playoff contenders, or am I reading far too much into uh, beating a Falkirk side at home.
0: Uh, East Fife have East Fife have two games in hand. Uh, if they win them both, I'm trying to remember who they're against. So one's definitely against Dumbarton, However, it's scheduled to take place at Dumbarton, so they'll probably never be able to play it because their, their pitch is so terrible. And, and I think can't remember the other who they You're correct, Clyde. So it's not without the realms of possibility that East Fife win their two games in hand, and, and that would put them in second. It'd only be two points behind Falkirk. So, but. I suppose the problem we always have with East Fife and this is now the third season where they have this weird thing where they can go on particularly good runs and then go on particularly poor runs. The only thing I would say is that the start to their season where East Fife looked particularly poor, they had a really, really difficult start to the season. So they played, uh, I can't remember in which order or, or, or if it was certainly the first four games of the season, but it was maybe four of the first five was... Certainly Cove away, I think, was their opening day. Lost 3-1, Danny Denham got sent off. Uh, then in some semblance of order, they had Falkirk, Airdrie, Montrose. I can't remember if that was their, their, certainly their first four, but maybe four out of the first five. So a really, really difficult uh, opening to, to, to the season. I was, I'd, I'd, I'd suggested talking about them on uh, on a, a view for the terrace because at the time I thought they were arguably one of the the most disappointing starts to the season. I, I, I think we eventually settled on Dundee, which is absolutely fine because I got to body Dundee <laughs> for a wee while on, on national television. And wrongly, I'm always Wrongly, I'm but all, we'll come to that. Well, well you're saying wrongly, well, we'll get to that. Uh, but at, at the time, it kind of felt like Dan Young's job might have been under a, a wee bit of scrutiny because they've been in this position so many times and that they put together a squad that looks more than good enough to, to challenge for the playoffs and they generally just miss out and on top of that they have had some of the worst ever cup results had this come under Dan Young as well so they lost to I think it was Brora Rangers and uh, I'm sure it was Brora for the Highland Leagues a couple of seasons ago lost to BSC Glasgow in, in the Scottish Cup last season so it kind of has those blots uh, on his copybook even though he's generally considered a, a kind of it's generally a name that's kind of bandied about when a, a, a full-time job uh, comes up and I'm, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be because East Fife aren't necessarily a team that you associate with challenging to get into the playoffs, but they have a, a decent looking squad on paper that probably should be challenging for the playoffs and of course over the summer they, they, they brought in Danny Swanson which felt like a felt like it, it could be a good sign in but he's not really been fit at all this season and, and my concern about them was that they had They've got quite an aging squad, I suppose. So I think Chris Higgins is, is maybe 35 uh, at, at centre-half. Scott Agnew, a, 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 a kind of lower league stalwart, is is very much the wrong side of 30 now. Kevin Smith, who uh, I think is now 33 and is a forward who should have played at a far higher level, but he's had three or four... Uh, really, really bad injuries that, that that could be career threatening if if you have one of them. never mind three. But certainly on Saturday there they they had a they had certainly their, their finest performance of the season. And a, a lot of what they are doing is only achievable through Jack Hamilton, who's who's come in on loan. Uh that this term I, I I wasn't entirely sure about him. Uh he had loan spells in the past at, at Berwick Rangers, which went very well. Uh I think it was Queen of South, which Went probably less less well. I, I suppose he, he didn't score as many goals. Queen of South fans thought that there was possibly a player there, but they just he just didn't do enough. But he he has really impressed uh, this time. He's already got seven goals. He he isn't someone who is necessarily a, a player I would associate with with the word finesse. But he looks like somebody who would have been brilliant at British Bulldogs at, at primary school. <laughs> he's just barrel chested. He 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 kind of blunders through everybody. He's he's tall. He's got a good leap on him, and I think he, I I think he could do it at a higher level. whether he will, whether he will be going to do things at, at, at Livingston, the Premiership, I don't know. But but he's given himself every chance this season. Uh, but but kind of key to that win over Falkirk was uh, Kevin Smith coming back in because what, what East 5 probably don't have are are players that could they haven't had wingers this season that can kind of beat a man and, and get deliveries into the area uh, Danny Denham had a Danny Denham had a, a, a slow start to the season, he, he got sent off in that opening day against Cove Rangers uh, well, That sounds area. like a pretty
2: quick start to the season to me
0: <laughs> Well getting sent off after 10 minutes yeah. In its own way, You
2: made a splash that's the main thing
0: I suppose it is, uh, but uh, and but they generally had a slow start, and it was getting to that stage where, uh, like fans were, like fans were moaning a Fatty, he, he like does podcasts, like like because the team <laughs> was doing particularly well. Like 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 all he did is I, was I like, don't
1: think he's done any podcasts since. No, uh, no, since I know. The start of the season, no. I know,
0: but but just in general, I I, I kind of hate when fans if a, if a team's going through a, a poor spell, and then fans start to moan about what individual players potentially do. And in, in, in their spare time. like unless, like, bear in mind, all, all Danny Denham's doing is, is talking to other humans, maybe like on a Wednesday. Like, maybe if he was running an ultra marathon every Wednesday and, and had 17 blisters when it came to a Saturday morning, that would be a different story, but doesn't feel like he's doing much wrong. Uh, but he he seems to be coming out to a, a, a bit of a game. I think they have a back four that, that's generally decent for, for that level. Uh, I, I think in Brett Long, again, they have a good League One goalkeeper. I think one of the problems is uh they again have this difficult fixture that's coming round as they did at the start of the first, third of, of, of the campaign, where they've they have I think they have Cove, uh Airdrie and Montrose coming up in succession. Now, if they can if they can play like they did on Saturday, then they'll take points from those sides and that and that sets them up nicely for a kind of tilt at the playoffs. But again, if they you know, if they struggle in those three games, that then I it feels like, it feels like again they might just miss out on it, and it's fifth and sixth. But if you would have went back to me three or four weeks ago, I thought these five maybe had a, a fight in their hands to to stay up, but it doesn't feel like they're in that place anymore. Uh so I, they could probably start to look up rather than be worried about what's going on behind them. And of course,
2: Sean, if they were to look up, they would see the championship, which is where we're heading to now, and it will shock, stun and maybe appall some of you that I'm going to speak about Dundee Football Club yet again. But, in fairness, I, I feel like it's worth uh, speaking about Dundee, given the uh, recent, uh, mildly surprising, uptick in form. So, Dundee have won four of the last six games, drawing the other two. Sorry, uh, is it,
1: is, Gary, is it um, Dundee Football Club, or is it just the, the Charlie Adams show at Dundee Football Club?
2: We will come to that. I find that a very... Potentially accurate depiction, but we will come to that. <laughs> um, so this is also the the first time that Dundee have scored three goals uh, in four games in a row since nineteen seventy eight, I believe. Um wow. so, Yep yeah, it's it, it's a long time. It's been a long time coming. Uh, and as Duncan has already rather cheekily alluded to, uh, some of that could probably be uh, blamed. I don't think that's right. Accredited uh, to to Charlie Adam um, and,
0: and 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 the fact they're in the second tier.
2: A little bit of that too, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. But we've been in the second tier plenty of times since the late seventies. It's um, it's not exactly a a new phenomenon for us. But anyway, so Charlie Adam, um, I mentioned him. He has been playing through injury, believe it or not. I don't think he's actually trained in the last two or three weeks. Um, he obviously has also I been. Saw, going I saw pictures through...
1: of him at the beach, though, Gary.
2: He was well. Yes, he he hadn't been training.
1: Duncan, use
2: oh, okay. your. Come on! Don't make me get you a grammar book. It's you know important context clues here. But obviously, he's also been going through um some uh some personal stuff with the uh, passing of his mother a few weeks ago as well. Um, but despite all of uh all of those challenges, uh he has been imperious for Dundee. He is now sitting on I think it's four goals and six assists in the league um so far this season. Um, but he is only one of a number of players who have seriously upped their game in recent weeks. Do, do, you um, not
0: think, uh, did, do you not think that, so I, as much as, as much as Adam is like an absolute stick out, n- not just for Dundee, but but in the championship in general, but, but do you not know, think it's suddenly Dundee ha- actually have a spine about them? Yes. So, 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 if, if, if you, so yes, I, uh, you alluded to earlier, the fact that I said that Dundee might be in a relegation fight this season. Turns out that they might actually be okay. However, at the time, so I think they'd just lost to Air two 0 It was either fourth or fifth game of the season. You'd only won one game, quite un well. A reasonably tight game against Morton, one 0 You'd you had the televised game against Alloa, where you'd you'd drawn three 0 You'd conceded six to Hearts, and 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 generally Dundee looked like a bit of a mess. However, but that's all part of the part of the fun of it Sean, but <laughs> no you're, you are right. Um, but that, like uh, Fontaine, like Liam Fontaine looks like he's, he's going to be a good signing, so you so actually look like a, a centre half that can not only defend and causes angst for opposition defenders at, at set pieces and Osman So now looks like he's actually very good, whereas again six weeks ago he looked like a, a, an absolute dumpling
2: yeah. And I think so much of it is that the the squad in the first couple of weeks of the season was getting chopped and changed all the time. So we started against Hearts in the very first game of the season with a back three, which we then switched to a back four, which we've largely stuck to. But it's, you know, there's been a lot of chopping and changing uh, of whether it's of the goalkeeper, uh, swapping about Chris Elliott and Callum Kerr, uh, Cami Kerr, Kerr um, trying to work out what to do with the midfield as well. But as you say, Sean, signing Liam Fontaine has been key to that. For two reasons. One is that he's a he's a very experienced defender uh, and is obviously also a, a threat in the other box. I think he scored from three corners so far this season. None of them headers as well. Um, all just uh, being in the right place at the right time. But as well as that, his arrival at Dens meant that Jordan McGee, who was having a bit of a nightmare uh, at the back for us, has moved into midfield and he's had a, a new lease of life. So we now play a midfield three of... Uh, Sean Byrne, who's had a really good season he's probably actually, as much as Charlie Adam will rightfully get a lot of plaudits and he's maybe on a, on another tier compared to the rest of the squad, I'd say, of everybody else Sean Byrne's been the, the standout performer so far, um, so him, Jordan McGee and Charlie Adam in the middle, up top Osmond So has had a run of games, which is probably the first run of games he's had for years without injury um, and it's coincided with him scoring I think it's five goals in four games now, um, none of which have been pretty. By the way, um, there's no uh, stunning goals uh, in there. Uh, it's all just again right place, right time, slapping it in. But I'll take them where I can get, find them, Sean.
0: How when when is Paul McGowan going to get a haircut? <laughs> My
2: hope is that. The club is doing quite a lot at the moment of uh, of charity work. So at the moment, uh, for example, uh, Dundee are trying to sell out Dens virtually uh, for the Scottish Cup tie against Rig at the weekend. My hope is that there is some sort of fundraising initiative which involves somebody getting to shave off his hair. Absolutely. So
0: Top of his head yeah. looks like a Western Isles. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it would raise thousands Um, but I I wouldn't want to be the person to to tell them that's happening so if anyone wants to volunteer for that just let us know Um, but no he's been played in a a slightly strange way so we're swapping a little bit at the moment the only uh, I mentioned before about the consistency in the squad the the only change that's been happening week to week and it's been partly due to uh, injuries as well and uh, I think Covid too is the spot alongside Osmond so? Um, so we've tried Declan McDade there, uh, but that's more part of a front three with Paul McGowan wide right. But we've also tried Danny Mullen up top with Osmond so with uh, Paul McGowan in the the sort of the number ten role. Um, so that's more of a, a diamond four four two really. But he has been competent again for us. I I don't think at the moment there's any one player that I look at that panics me. Uh. Lee Ashcroft does give me a little bit of that. If Sean Byrne keeps flying into tackles within about thirty seconds of the game kicking off, I might get that again as well. But there's, uh... I,
0: I, I think, I, I think again, an encouraging thing for Dundee's perspective is, and I, I could be totally wrong, but like I looked at the bench against, uh, I think it was a Hearts game, and I yeah. saw players on the bench that, that's probably where they should be, whereas previously in the season they, they were starting. Or they've played a big role in the first team. So, uh, Jordan Forster, for example, or Declan McDade. Like, I'm not saying they're, they're rubbish, but they they probably are squad players. And, and and the fact that you were relying on them in a starting eleven, and and now they're now they're just making the subs bench. Automatically means you have a, a stronger starting eleven.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the other thing that the squad's clearly looking at the squad, sorry, the manager's looking ahead to as well is next season, we actually have quite a lot of players out of contract next season um, we just announced today that Paul McMillan signed a pre-contract with us So that's good that you're not aiming for promotion this
0: season Well, I, I was going to say he's, he's <laughs> not a of Premiership player
2: but he will, basically I think that signing is so that Declan McDade is not getting offered a, a new contract I mean next season, uh, the only players that we have signed up at the moment are Lee Ashcroft Jordan Marshall uh, we've got Four centre-mids signed up for next season, so that's good. Uh, Typical Dundee. Uh, Sean Byrne, Charlie Adam, Max Anderson and Finlay Robertson. Uh, McMullen, I've mentioned, and up top, Jakubiak and Mullen are signed up. So there's still quite a bit of flexibility there, depending on what league we're in. Uh, Humour me for a second. Um, (laughs) But we... uh, So that's quite heartening to see. I think that McPake has probably secured his job for the rest of the season, uh, because I think that John Nelms is a very, very... Very patient man. Um, the point to sack him would have probably been about the time that you were on telly saying we were in a relegation dogfight, Sean. Um, but yes. he didn't do it, and I think if he didn't do it then, then given that we've just gone on a six game unbeaten run, it would take quite a lot uh for us to fall to the position where McPake's job would be in danger. So, As, I th-
0: do, do I you think, think he's be safe? That, do you think that so? Sorry, six games unbeaten is is impressive, no doubt about it. Although, admittedly. I think it was only four games ago that he chucked away a, a three-goal lead to Dunferman. But is there... Do, do you think there's a possibility that you're getting a wee bit carried away by the fact that four of those games are at home? Because it's quite interesting that you you look at the Championship, I haven't really looked at the other leagues, but even though there's no supporters getting in, although I appreciate Inverness had some for a while, Home wins are still very much the the kind of currency in the championship. There, there's, there's very few away wins. Uh, even Hearts, very rarely win away for home. And I think, I think Dundee's next six games, I think four of them's away for home. So I suppose that will 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 give us a I suppose a better understanding of, of where Dundee are and, and whether or no they are kind of cement second or third place rather than rather than kind of uh, trying to elbow their way into the playoff spots. Yeah. The thing is though that although
2: our current run is based on that, ultimately if we do maintain very good home form, uh we've we've not played any more home games than any other team in the league at the moment. So you could argue that as long as we keep doing that, as as much as our away form will continue to drive fans mad, um, it's it still puts us in a decent enough position. And I think the other thing, just talking about the championship more widely, is that there doesn't seem to be a clear... And this is why I still think that Hearts will undoubtedly win the league, is that I don't think there's a clear challenger to them. And I think everybody else will uh, slit each other's throats, to use a, a bit of a, a graphic uh, description of it. I think Dunfermline have fallen away a little bit in recent weeks. Um, Inverness, Cali don't really seem to be offering too much either. Um, Air Uniteds are, uh, I think, in the middle of a, a wee bit of a downturn. Greenock Morton, it's just a bin fire there in every way possible. Um, so it's its not clear to me. You know, it, it doesn't strike me that there's a one challenger or even a couple who could probably bring down hearts, if I can put it that way. So I think that, that probably, in a way, gives Dundee fans some some cause for optimism, strangely, um, because it, it suggests that there's, uh, that there's still probably three playoff spots up for grabs among quite a few of the teams in that league.
0: And, and and you won't be successful once you get there.
2: Absolutely. Which is why we're signing Paul McMullen, apparently. Um, but obviously, it's, uh, it's the Championship isn't all about Dundee. Uh, there's lots of other teams in there. And I think one team that uh, fans of the podcast will remember having a, a terrific debut season in the Championship last year was our growth, Sean. But they have really, really fallen on hard times.
0: It, it, it's funny. I remember in the, in the summer, we, we spoke about our growth and the fact that they had... Managed to keep together the the squad that had performed so well last season. So so even even the uh, guys that brought in on loan. So Miko Vertonen had come on loan for Aberdeen, managed to get him back on loan. James Craigan, who they had on loan from, filed I think from down south. Uh, they managed to sign him on a, a permanent contract. So it kind of felt like Arbroath were were in a really good position again this season, with a caveat that. Their form kind of tailed off midway through last season, and it was the lone signing of Craig White. They had, they had, kind of, I suppose, kept their head above water. I suppose, which, I mean, they done better than that. They, didn't really look like they were ever going to get sucked in at the bottom of the table. But there was a wee spell where they, where they were struggling a wee bit, and and Craig, but Craig White certainly gave them that, uh, that, uh, not, not necessarily prolific in front of goal, but he, he took his chances. Uh, it was the difference between, between one point and three in a, in a number of games. And the fact that they brought in Chris Doolan in, in the summer, a, a, a striker that had, has had a difficult time since since leaving Patrick Thistle. I know he had a spell at Morton, he had a spell at A that, that didn't go particularly well. I, I think he played junior for a while. So it was surprising that Chris Doolan came, came back in the championship. That hasn't really worked out. And the, the, they've only got five legals to their name. Uh, and unless that changes, it, it's difficult to see our growth managing to scramble away for for tenth place. Uh, in the league which which are at the moment, and and you do actually wonder if the the the, the fact that he he remains so loyal to the squad, Dick Campbell may actually made a mistake. And and I know that it's ve- that is very much a hindsight because at, at the time everybody thought it was a good thing, but but they do have the oldest squad in the league and guys like to so, so I still rate the back four I, I, you know, Colin Hamilton Thomas O'Brien Ricky Little Jason Thompson I think especially the first three players that I've just mentioned are, are, are having good seasons and I wouldn't necessarily change them I think Jason Thompson is still a, a good right back but at 33 he can't or he probably can't do what he used to do which was essentially run the length of the park umpteen times over 90 minutes and I, I don't think he quite gives them the attacking impetus they used to do for for that right back position, and then in midfield, some some Miko and I I think I discussed him in the summer in terms of players that had done particularly well central midfielders, and I'd, I'd went on Y Scout, and he his average position was basically the halfway line or, or the centre circle, so he he isn't somebody that's going to step forward and create very much. Uh, if somebody like David Gold is in there, he's not really going to create very much. Gavin Swanky has been playing recently, but I think he's 38. Uh Bobby Lynn might still be our bro's most creative player, but again, I think he's in his mid-30s now. They just don't have enough. I, I quite like James Cregan, but James Cregan is a player who I'm not entirely sure what his what his real position should be. He's he's been full back, he's been wide midfield, he's been central midfield, he's been an attack midfielder. Our broth have used him in, in all of those positions. He, he he does well, but but there is a wee there is a wee I suppose a suggestion that he's jack of all trades master of none. What I think, what I think lets him down, and I, and I think has let down Dick Campbell in the past. Is is, is he, I don't know if he has a blind spot when it comes to when it comes to strikers. I'm I'm presuming he doesn't, but he does seem to sign a lot of strikers that that he certainly gives a a, a lot of chances to. Uh, that he, that he doesn't just discard. He, he certainly gives them a chance, but but they generally don't score that many goals. I mean, Greg Spence played a lot of games for our and he, he he literally never scored a league goal, as far as I remember. Uh, I mean, at the moment you've got uh you've got Michael McKenna that can play there, doesn't score a lot of goals. Luke Donnelly is probably more a link man, never really been a goal scorer. Chris Doolan isn't scoring goals. Uh, Michael Ruth, Dale Hilson there's a lot of forwards here that, that, that don't really score. Now they have, they've already made moves. Uh, so I think Connor Smith, who they had on loan from Hearts, who never really made a breakthrough. Albeit, I think I think fans were, were quite keen on him because he was quite quick. Although I do think he was one of those players who fans fans were taking to him when he wasn't playing. If that makes sense, because they're like, we'll give him, throw him in, give him a chance, and they never really seen him enough. And. Uh, Mikko Vertanen has, has went back to Aberdeen. Now, that might allow him to bring in more offensive-minded midfielders, creative midfielders, that, which which should help matters. The, the problem is, of course, that Vertanen is somebody who does a lot of dirty work, who all he wants to do is protect the back four. He, he makes challenges, he reads the game pretty well, uh, he, he, he cuts out a lot of attacks, kind of stops them at the root, uh, stopping the opponents, uh, Kind of four forward, so it might give them uh, a, an issue elsewhere. But at least by getting those two players off off the, the 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 wage bill, I don't know what they were contributing in terms of in terms of the the, the loan wages. But it might just give them uh, a wee bit of scope to bring in more offensive players. Because if they can't do that as much as they do a lot of right a lot right defensively, if they can't bring in more offensive players, then they're really struggling to stay up this season.
2: Well, we will. Uh... We'll see exactly where our growth lands up. Obviously, they've got a couple of, pardon me, uh, they've got a couple of very important games coming up as well. I think they've, they've got a, a bit of a crunch game coming up against Queen of the South in a couple of weeks' time as well. Now, Sean, I think you wanted to very briefly touch on Queen of the South as well. My guess is it's mainly to uh, bemoan the fact you couldn't score against a 16-year-old goalie <laughs> called up in the warm-up.
0: Do you know something? I was, I was quite keen to talk about Queen of South, but I thought that I was going to be able to get the highlights off of black and white TV. So, so I went on YouTube and the highlights from the, the win over the United wasn't there. Now they are quite slow to put up highlights, which is fair enough. And I, I'm totally, I, I do appreciate that uh, in this kind of post pandemic world or, or during pandemic world, the the home team gives the, the match footage to the away team. So I think it's because Queen of South haven't, haven't, got their, uh, haven't got their highlights up or haven't done their package. The Air United didn't have a, a package put together. But Air United now are, are now putting everything behind a paywall. So everything's free until February the 1st, but you still have to sign up for it. So I signed up for Black and White TV, hoping I could see the highlights of Queen of South versus Air United. Uh, uh, eventually signed up, logged in. And to be fair, it was reasonably easy realized that there was still no highlights of Queen of South Air United. However, there was two videos from a, a, a lady that works in their catering department showing me how to uh, bake a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, the beta in mind for February. It's 5.99 a month. That's the same price as Disney plus. So like, I've signed that for Disney plus and I'm quite enjoying the Mandalorian. Like that's fine. And if all you're going to get for Air United TV is sporadic highlights and how to make some angel cakes. I don't know if you're getting your money's worth.
2: <laughs> Speak for yourself, that sounds terrific to me. I think this <laughs> anyway, is pos- possibly
1: the first time that Air United Football Club and the Walt Disney Corporation have been uh, compared together.
0: <laughs> anyway, but yes, Queen, anyway, Queen of South, and I'll be very brief here. I was I was rubbing my hands the other week when Rovers uh, were about to go to Queen of South. They had uh, Stephen Dobby out through injury, they had lost umpteen games in a row. I, I think they'd beaten Alloa a few weeks previous. It was then mentioned in the warm up that Jack Leefield, who was their backup goalkeeper, who they didn't have a lot of faith in, the, the fans in general, albeit he, he hasn't played very often. He got injured in the warm up. And so 16-year-old Charlie Cowie was going to goals and Wraith Rovers started like an Olympic sprinter uh, right out of the blocks. They went straight up the straight up into the, the Queen of South box. There was an absolute rammy. And I thought this is going to end up about six or seven. And then after 90 minutes, the, the two the, the two kind of men of the match, men of the match had been announced, and I was I was really angry at, at, at both. <laughs> for Wraith Rovers, it was uh Mendy. Now, Wraith Rovers had been terrible. Mendy, Mendy had been really terrible, but he was voted he was voted for by the the users of the Wraith Rovers app. Fair enough, okay but Charlie Cowie had been voted Man of the Match for Queen of South. He didn't touch a ball until about the 74th minute. Uh, he, he didn't have any saves to make. Like, he literally made one save, and I, I, I appreciate it. It's like, oh, well, he's 16, will just vote for him. Maybe he didn't it was have his presence. It didn't have anything to do. Like Connor Shields had run us ragged all night uh, and, and <laughs> was far away. And, or... Uh, uh, Obelai, the centre half, I uh, Obelai, had a, 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 an excellent game. Every single cross into their area, of which there wasn't that many, he had headed away. Uh, both of those were significantly better than, than, than Charlie Cowie, who uh, came for a cross and looked like he was terrified and kind of missed it. And I, I think he made a save, as, as I say, after about 75 minutes. But, but fair play to him. I, I appreciate he's his, his 16 and it was, it, it was nice. Uh, Queen of South in general... It's interesting now that it might actually be that they're better without Dobby in in the squad or, or in in the start of eleven. But which, which seems it seems like a seems like a, a strange thing to say. But I, I was looking, so nobody in the championship has had more shots at goal than than Dobby. He's had thirty three shots at goal. He's only scored three goals, and they were all penalties. So that means he's had, that means other than penalties, he's had thirty shots at goal. Hasn't scored them. He's. He's not that mobile now. He's certainly even less mobile than, than he used to be. And Connor Shields, who they'd used mostly as a, as a winger, and, and he looked quite good out wide uh, on, on the left and the right. He can beat a man. He's quick and get, gets a lot of deliveries into the area. But actually, when you take those, out, he, he can finish as well. So when you take those, when you take his, his kind of pace and the fact that he can beat a man and the fact that he can finish, and you move them closer to goal. It, it kind of feels like they might actually be better without him, but uh, without without Toby. So, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when, when he comes back from injury. But based on what I saw, I, I still think that I still think the squad is is thin when it comes to when it when it comes to ability. I, I quite I, I actually quite like Obelai at, at centre half. He's he's one of those players who. I mean, let's face it. When you play the majority of your career. In the sixth and seventh tier in in England, and then you come up to Scotland and you sign for one of the poorer full time teams, you're gonna have a mistake in you, and if you're at fault for a goal, that's what you notice on highlights. But he didn't make any mistakes against the Rovers, and I, I was generally impressed. Him. I actually think he's okay. Gregor Buchanan like got all the basics right, fair enough. Willie Gibson, we were surprised at the fact they resigned Willie Gibson after a long time at the game, but he played it right back. Defensively, it was absolutely fine. Andy was getting forward. He can still beat a man, albeit he's—I mean, he must be reaching his kind of approaching his forties now. I'm not saying that Queen of South will definitely not be in the relegation places this season. I, I still think they'll be in a relegation fight, but I thought they were. I, I thought they had tenth nailed on, uh, but I, I do now think that it's that they've given themselves a, a, a fighting chance, and between them and Abroth and Aloa. Who I presume will be eighth, ninth, and tenth, and some, and yeah. and some of that, that, I think, will be really interesting. Uh,
2: yeah, our both had other ideas. I have noticed our both haven't picked up a single point away from home, uh, and it's it is admittedly a very small sample size at the moment, only five games, but it's it's still quite concerning for them, particularly since their home form has has not obviously it's not been sparkling because uh, they're bottom of the league but it's you know you have to pick up your points somewhere
0: what our both what our, broth, what our broth have is a, a very good back four and, and goalkeeper so if they can bring in somebody who can uh, put chances away and somebody who can create chances our broth will probably be fine B- but that's easier said than done
2: and you were the one putting Dundee in a relegation dog fight just a few <laughs> weeks ago which I, I definitely had no input into it was your own use, uh, use use twisted your mind
0: Use were passion at that point. If I had sat there on national television and said that a team that was sitting, whoever it was, seventh, well, we're going to be uh, second in five or six weeks, I would have been lampooned. So everything yes, I said but, was fair enough.
2: But you would look like an oracle now, and you know that's that's the price you pay, I suppose. But anyway, enough enough of our. Uh, biting and sniffing at each other, it's time for us to move over to Patreon where Duncan will be treating Sean and I like fools as we try to identify the uh, Scottish international player uh, that he has picked at random for us. If that sounds like something that's up your street, you can obviously sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash terrorist podcasts. But with uh, no more further ado, uh, we are all away to go and record that. So, thanks again for your time tonight, Sean and Duncan. Cheers. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening. And enjoy your football this weekend if it goes ahead.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.